Now this evening I want to speak to you about gentleness. Gentleness. Are you growing in gentleness? Do you think people around you think you are growing in gentleness? If we interviewed your husband, would he say you have grown in gentleness? Would your wife say the same thing? Would church members here think you are growing in gentleness? My guess is that this is not a question many of us think about seriously. And I am not the only one who thinks that way. George George Bethany says, Rarely do we reflect that not being gentle is a sin. And perhaps no grace is less prayed for than gentleness. And I think he's right. You pray for patience, I hope. You pray to grow in love, I hope. You pray for purity. You pray for self-control. But when was the last time you prayed to be more gentle? If you're a true follower of Christ, God wants you to grow in gentleness. It is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23 is awfully familiar to you. It says, it's the fruit of the Spirit. is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And then it says, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. With patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Apostle Peter encourages women to focus on putting on this quality of gentleness ahead of their makeup and jewelry. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 4 says this, Speaking to women, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of, your, of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So gentleness matters to God. So I ask you again this evening, are you growing in gentleness? Not just the women, but all of us. Are you growing in gentleness? And I'm asking this question because we're going through Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, which says, put on then as God's chosen ones, Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, and patience. Now, I said this morning that the original word translated in our ESV version as meekness there can also be translated as gentleness, as the NIV does and as the Legacy Standard Bible does. And we have decided not to choose between these two words, Because the original Greek word actually embodies both meanings. So we've decided to look at both meekness and gentleness. And this morning we looked at meekness. This evening we are looking at gentleness. So what is gentleness? 
I wonder, how would you define gentleness? And how is gentleness different from meekness? Now, we said this morning that meekness, do you remember what we said about meekness? It's being willing to suffer injury out of submission to God and out of love for the source or cause of our injury. That's meekness. And when you think about it, meekness is a reactive quality. It reacts to harm done to us. Gentleness, on the other hand, is proactive. It's a proactive quality. That's, so Paul here wants us to behave in a way when we're reacting in some way, but also he wants us to be proactive. So if you want to just focus on meekness, we'll miss the point that you're actually talking about. He also wants us to be proactive. Gentleness is our eagerness to treat others with utmost care. It's our eagerness, the proactive eagerness to treat others with utmost care, even if there's no harm being done to us. It's just who we are. We treat others with utmost care. Think of meekness as the way Christ handled his enemies, right? That's what we looked at this morning. Christ willingly allowed sinners to mistreat him, even though he could have retaliated. He did that because he was being meek. Think of gentleness as the way we handle a baby in our arms, right? We do it with the most delicate care, out of love and concern for the baby in our arms. A gentle person is warm and tender in how he or she deals with other people. She is careful not to claim her rights in a way that makes life hard for others. She handles people like she's handling a newborn baby. She treats them as lovely and fragile. She is not self-centered. She is other-centered. A gentle person has a restful impact on other people. When, think about it. When we are physically gentle with a baby, when we, are, when we are holding a baby in our arms and we are physically gentle with a baby, right? It is very likely that the baby will soon start to, to sleep because we are holding the baby very gently. Babies do not like people who do not hold them gently. <laughs> it does not take long for the baby to vote with their mouth, Right? They start crying on you if you're not holding them gently. And of course, it's very embarrassing. It's very embarrassing when you hold a baby and she effectively says to you, I don't like your hands. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Uh, you're not holding me like my mommy or my dad. It's, we don't want to be in that situation, right? Now, I digress. My point is that just as babies do not like being held in a rough way, it's the same when it comes to moral gentleness towards other people. When we are gentle in how we treat people, they are restful around us. They feel at ease around us. They feel welcome, valued, and at peace. Are you that person? Are you, by that definition of gentleness, gentle? Do you have a welcoming attitude towards others? Or do people who know you well sometimes Feel uncomfortable around you. When your brothers and sisters in this church think of you, do they think of you as someone who can tenderly shepherd them through their struggles, or are they? They're not sure. Now, of course, we also review our 
gentleness in how we talk, isn't it? Most of the time. Gentle people are not abrupt. They are not unfeelingly blunt. They are bored, but not unfeelingly blunt. They are not subliminal in how they talk to others. They don't try and communicate disrespect with cold words. Because a gentle person is other-centered. So if I'm being gentle with Brother Ola, I would think about how Brother Ola would like me to speak to him. How, brother, how do you want me to address you? What tone do you want me to? I won't just impose my own thinking on him. Because I'm being mindful of him. I'm being gentle towards him. When we are gentle, we think about what is biblically appropriate. Gentle people are not ash on their lips. There is a respect, a coolness, a calmness to their words. I wonder, do people around you think, I want to talk to her about this issue. I do, but I won't. I won't do it. Because she has got the grace and gentleness of a chancel. I can't go there. I can't go there. This is not going to land. No matter our couch, it's not going to land well. So I'm just going to stay clear of that. You need to think about this. Gentle people talk to others with sensitivity and respect that invites them to be approached. They not only let people finish their sentence, they are also considerate towards them. When a gentle person must wound someone, and we must, especially when you're standing on the truth, when we must wound someone in order to correct them, they work out to heal the wounds with the words of encouragement. They present the law and they offer the cross. Now, we need to be clear what gentleness is not. We've talked about what it is, but as we did with meekness, we need to be clear what gentleness is not. Because this, again, we could be mis misunderstood here. First of all, gentleness here is not about being gentle to yourself, right? I know it's obvious to us here, but this is actually how society thinks about gentleness. When you hear the so-called life coaches talk about being gentle, they're saying the world is chaotic now, everybody's very nasty, so we need to be gentle. They're using the same language as us, but they don't mean what we think they mean. What they mean is that we need to care for ourselves, self-care. We need to be less than burnout on us. Be kind to yourself. That's what gentleness means to the world. It is all self-focus. And of course, that is the opposite of biblical gentleness. In the Bible, gentleness is about how we treat others. The tenderness we have towards them. So gentleness is not about being kind to yourself. Secondly, I'm not saying there's anything wrong being kind to yourself. I'm just saying it's not that, right? Secondly, just like we said about meekness, gentleness is not weakness. It actually takes strength to be gentle. It requires you to have something that many of us struggle with, which is self-control. Think about it. A child cannot really be physically gentle with a baby. A five-year-old child, you give them a baby. They cannot be physically gentle with that baby. Why is that? Because they don't have the strength in their arms to hold the baby. That's problem number one, right? 
Because it requires strength to be physically gentle, right? But there's also another problem. They don't have power over their character. They are not self-controlled. So if we did a thought experiment, what would happen if we threw a toy to a child holding a baby? They are favorite toy. They are favorite teddy. I think, let's not try this at home, but I think they'll drop the baby. <laughs> In some cases. They'll just, right? Because they don't, they're driven mostly by impulses. Uh, and they don't have self-control over their character. Now, as I said, let's not try that. But the point is obvious, isn't it? Just like with physical gentleness, it takes physical strength to be gentle, it also takes spiritual strength to be gentle. So a gentle person is not weak, quite the opposite. They have an inner strength of character that exhibits self-control and other qualities like kindness, humility, patience, love. Gentleness also is not a feminine quality, we might say, right? Um, you know, according to stereotypes, apparently women are more gentle than men, right? That, the world thinks like that. You know, women are more gentle than men. They, they see it as a feminine thing. Now, I'm not sure where they got that. Uh, it's absolutely fake news, as Donald Trump would say, right? And if you're in doubt about it, speak to husbands and those who have sisters. Women are certainly not more morally gentle than men. The point is we all struggle with gentleness. And the Bible is clear that moral gentleness is not a gender trait. God, the Holy Spirit, produces gentleness in all true believing men and women. That's why it is here. It's not just here for women. It's for all of us because gentleness is an issue for all of us. Gentleness also is not a question of style. Gentleness is not about giving emojis or sending real cupcakes or simply speaking softly. Biblical gentleness is, a, is, 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 is an issue of the heart. True gentleness is an inner disposition. You either have a gentle heart that is gentle to whoever you meet, or you don't have any gentleness at all. Some people are gentle to their kids, but ash towards others. That's not biblical gentleness. True gentleness flows from a heart that has been softened by God. And so because it's been softened by God, we are gentle in whatever situation we are in. It is part of our character. It is who we are, we might say. And this is the biblical gentleness that Apostle Paul is calling on the Colossians and all followers of Christ to have in verse 12. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate, has kindness, humility, and as we would translate meekness, gentleness. And Paul is saying to the Colossians and us, be gentle in how you treat one another. Do not be rough, brutal, or harsh with each other. Be tender, sensitive. Have bleeding hearts for each other. And I think we need this encouragement because there are many situations in our lives where we as followers of Jesus need to grow in gentleness. So you have a hectic commute to work, right? It's been hectic getting to work. It's been difficult. You arrive at work. You are barely sat down on your desk. If people are still going to work these days, right? You barely sat down. Your manager calls you in. He's blasting you for some wrong calculation. You know you're in the right. But it's been difficult getting to work. How are you going to react? Where well, the temptation is to 
give it back to him, isn't it? In equal measure, it is tempting to be ungentle. Or let's say you have a daughter and she's always pushing buttons. You know that she knows what she's doing is wrong and you've had enough with it. (laughs) This must stop. So you finally decide, let me sit down with her and you start off calmly. You remember Galatians 6 verse 23 and perhaps this 7, right? But then she answers you very rudely, unexpected. She, She says something that you just don't expect. And what happens? You start shouting at her. Well, you have just sinned. You have not acted with gentleness. That is a sin before God. Or perhaps you order a cool gadget for a lot of money, right? But it's now stuck with Royal Mail because they are on strike. You want your gadget. <laughs> You've been looking forward to it to kickstart your year. So what you do is you call up the company. The company says, it's not our fault. Don't you know there's a strike? Everyone is going on strike. What are you talking about? How are you going to respond back to them on the phone? I think if you are like me, not very gentle at all. You have your rights and you want them to know, right? So you see, gentle is an issue for all of us in so many different ways we find ourselves in. We don't act gently. I wonder what situation are you perhaps currently experiencing or you've recently experienced where you have not been acting gently? You have not responded. Is it in the home, the way perhaps you responded to your spouse? Is it in the life of the church here where you have not acting gently or you're not acting gently? Is it at work perhaps with a very rude boss or colleagues that are difficult to work with? You're struggling with gentleness there? Is it with your neighbors perhaps that may be difficult? Where are you struggling with gentleness? Where is God calling you to grow in gentleness? Now, like all the qualities we've looked at, this is hard, isn't it? Gentleness, actually, when we think about it. It's very hard to be gentle. And the question is, why do we find gentleness hard for us? I think the simple answer is that it is a hard issue. That's why. This is a hard issue. Gentleness comes from a new heart made soft by God the Holy Spirit. Now, if we are true followers of Christ, we have received a new heart. We've been born again to a living hope. God has given us a new heart. So we have a capacity for gentleness. But our sin nature and our daily sins and the world, the devil, all these things we are up against, they can harden our hearts before God and others. Sometimes we're in situations that are just too difficult to undo and not long we become hardened. Or we pick up things in the culture. Everybody's, this is how everybody treats one another. So you just be, you're like that. So your heart hardens, becomes ungentle. See, our sinful nature continually makes us bend in on ourselves. We struggle to die to self because gentleness is really self-denial. It is about putting others first. Being gentle, the way I describe it is like this. Being gentle is being tough on yourself and tender to others. Being tough on yourself and tender to others. Most of us are tough on others and tender to ourselves. And we foolishly justify our lack of gentleness as some bizarre zeal for the truth of God. It saddens me, actually, as a pastor, 
how many professing Christians I come across who always seem eager to fight sin with sin. And by that I mean they seem, to, they seem eager to fight sin without any gentleness. They are like people who tried to stone the, the, the adulterous woman in John 8. They were standing on the lawn, but their stoning was an act of hypocrisy. And many of us are like that. As I've, as I've said, gentleness is hard for all of us. But if we're true born-again Christians, it's not impossible for us to grow in gentleness because we have a new capacity to be gentle. That's what Paul is getting at. Colossians chapter 3, there, verse 9 to 12. The context helps us. We've seen this before. Do not lie to one another in verse 9, seeing that you are put off the old self with its practices, and you are put on the new self, the new humanity, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And then we come to verse 12. In light of that, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, humility, uh, meekness, and of course, gentleness and patience. And what he's saying to us is this. Because you have this new capacity to grow, you have this new humanity, then keep growing into gentleness because you are put on the new self in Christ, a new humanity that is growing into the image of Christ. You have Christ. You share life with Christ. So grow then to be like Christ. And of course we know the Lord Jesus, God the Son, is gentle. He's gentle. We know that because the Lord Jesus said that about himself. Matthew 11. A passage you should know by heart. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 29 says this. The Lord Jesus speaking. The Prince of Peace. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you feeling tired this evening? Go to Jesus. And he'll give you rest. Not sleep, rest. Right? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and sleep and, and learn from me. <laughs> no, definitely not sleep. Take my yoke, not sleep from me. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you find rest for your souls. Jesus is gentle. Gentle Jesus is meek. You know, the Bible long predicted that the Messiah would be gentle. And we find those words in Isaiah 42, verse 1 to 4. Um, one of the seven songs says this, Behold my servant whom I abhorred my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He would not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he would not break, and a faintly burning wick he would not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint, he's not weak, or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Two things he says about Christ there, isn't it? First, a bruised reed he will not break. Isaiah is saying the Messiah, Jesus, will deal gently with those who are in pain or hurting. He will handle them with healing and feeling mercy. Secondly, it says, a faintly burning wick he will not quench. What that means is that Christ will deal gently with those who are spiritually weak, 
or have little faith. So on the one hand, he's dealing gently with those who are pain, at pain or hurting. He's handling them with feeling mercy. And on the other hand, he's dealing gently with those who are spiritually weak or have little faith. Christ does not condemn them for their weakness. He does not come down on them with a heavy hand. Instead, he is gentle until their need is exposed. That passage is so instructive for anyone in ministry, in whatever area the Lord has called us to. Those two things are so critical. But the second thing, particularly, a faintly burning wick will not quench. Making the point that his gentleness will draw them out, you see, to run to him for help. And we have a powerful illustration of this in, in the Gospels, uh, particularly in John 4, with how Christ dealt gently with the woman of Samaria. Do you remember that? Christ was firm and gentle. He did not excuse our sin. He continued to probe our situation until the woman saw our need to repent and trust in Christ and not in our religion. One of my favorite stories of Christ's gentleness uh, comes from Mark 5, where Jesus encounters the man who has the legion. And we read in that story that Christ delivers this man from these demons. And then we are told the people in the surrounding country come to see this man. And when they come, they are completely shocked. Because what they find is that this man who had the legion is now sitting with Christ. And this Christ has clothed him, dressed him up in clothes. He's fully clothed now. Because before he was naked. And this man is in his right mind. Christ has not only set him free, he has dressed him up and he has sat him next to him. What a remarkable picture of the gentleness of Christ. Our Lord Jesus is wonderful. He is gentle. There is peace in the presence of Christ. Oh, beloved, I hope you know the peace of being in the presence of Christ. The peace that surpasses understanding. Yes, the world is falling apart, but gentle Jesus is with me. Do you know that peace? Are you at peace right now? Can you say as you sit here, I know something of the gentleness of Christ towards me. Christ is gentle. You know how gentle Jesus never turns anyone away that comes to him. People may walk away from seeking Christ, but he's always ready to help. And this is the reason why Jesus has come. He has put on our humanity so that he can minister to us in our flesh. So that he could gently bind up the broken heart. A bruised reed he will not break and the faintly burning wick he will not quench. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. You know, even now in heaven, our Lord Jesus is still our gentle prophet, priest and king. He is now presently helping us against sin and suffering. And it's because we know that we share our new life with our Lord Jesus, our precious gentle king. That's why Paul can encourage true believers here to grow in gentleness. Grow in gentleness, Paul is saying. Take gentleness seriously and grow in it. How do we do that? Well, four things. Some clearly familiar to you already from the other virtues. First of all, like we said with meekness this morning, 
Be convinced that gentleness is good for you. You cannot grow in gentleness unless you start taking this virtue seriously. This is not something you can just brush under the carpet. I'm just like that. It's a sin not to be gentle. But beyond that, be convinced that it is good, therefore, for you to be gentle. Right? That's the first thing. Be convinced of the goodness of being gentle. Gentleness is good for us because it's an attribute of God. We know this not just from the life of Christ. We know this because God in Isaiah says this about himself. In Isaiah 40, verse 10 to 11. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, power, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense, justice, before him. And then he says this. He will tend this flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. Picture of gentleness. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with you. That's, that's our God. Doesn't displace his power. Quite the opposite. He exercises his power through gentleness. If God is gentle, then it must be good for us to be gentle. Is there anything better for us to be than growing in the character of our God and King? No. So this evening, be convinced that gentleness is good for you because God is gentle. And as you grow in gentleness, you become more and more like our God in character. Be convinced that gentleness is good for your relationships as well in the here and now. The Bible says gentleness is an outflow of our love for others. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21 says this. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. They gave him a lot of headaches. He says this. What do you wish, Paul says? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Do you notice that? Love in a spirit of gentleness. Paul is making the point that one way we show love to others is by being gentle to them. If you like, gentleness is a vehicle through which we carry love to others. If you want to have fruitful and loving relationships with people, we need to grow in gentleness. I need to grow in gentleness. Because people prefer to be around those who are gentle. Gentle people have deep friendships. I'm not saying they have no enemies. Christ has enemies. And he's gentle. So this is, not a, this is not a route to no enemies. You have different kinds of enemies. I am saying, if you grow in gentleness, you grow in having enduring relationship. What I mean by that is, you, don't have, you, you could look back of, with friends that you were deep with for five, ten years. Many of us, especially, sorry millennials, especially millennials, are transient in their friendship. And I think the reason for that is, all their friendships, they're always new, they're always new, they're always new. And the reason for that, I think, is because of lack of gentleness. It's not the only reason. Because when you're gentle, your friendships deepen. Because no one wants to be around people who are harsh and rough. We want people who make us restful. Do you want to have enduring friendships? People who stick with you in your life. Grow in gentleness. Grow in gentleness. Dare I say, our relations with our children, and especially in-laws, would look so different for many of us if we develop this quality of gentleness. 
I thank God that we're going through this series because we're thinking about areas that we don't think about. Gentleness, of course, is crucial in serving God and others. It is given in the Bible as a key requirement for those who lead and teach others. 2 Timothy um, chapter 2, verse 25. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with what? Gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. You know, I'm saddened to say, beloved, I'm really saddened to say, I'm saddened to say this is one of the missing qualities among so many people doing Christian ministry. You know, I would all have preached a wonderful sermon Two wonderful messages recently, and I really encourage you to go listen to them again. And perhaps spot the commonalities between them, because the commonality between them, a key phrase that came across in both of them that I've been thinking about, praying about, is simply this. Character is paramount. Character is paramount. And I've been repeating this phrase to everyone I've been talking to about Christian ministry. Character is paramount. This is the number one quality I think we need to look for as we seek to train people in the life of the church, to be leaders here, whether it's Sunday school, whether it's these groups that we are, the Barnabas group or Priscilla group, whatever groups we set up to train people, character is paramount. We need to be godly men and women. And part of being key to character is this quality of gentleness. We cannot disciple or encourage others if we are not gentle. You can't lead in your home or your workplace if you are not gentle. For those of you who provide pastoral care in work settings or other settings the Lord has placed you in, you cannot do that without gentleness. You see, many of us miss ministry opportunities because we are not gentle. We are like children. We lack the strength of character that gentleness demands. And it's sad, especially for pastors, this is a big issue at present in this nation. We are in a nation which is so divided, so nasty in so many ways, and we lack gentleness. This comes out in the way we talk, we are too harsh, we are not meek, we are not willing to bear the cost. No one wants to be led by people who are harsh. And so it's not a surprise, isn't it, that Paul tells the Corinthians that he was gentle with them, and he tells the Thessalonians he was, to them, he was like a mother with them. That's what he says. You see, when we are not gentle, we become distant, arrogant, resentful, totally inconsiderate. And a church full of people who are not gentle cannot build up anyone. Discipleship cannot take root. And, and of course, without gentleness, we cannot be effective at sharing the gospel with anyone. Gentle people stand out. Those who are not gentle stand out for the wrong reasons. People are interested to hear what a gentle person has to say. They have no time for a person who only cares to wound others without any kind of healing being offered up. And what a shame, because the gospel brings the law and grace. 
And we have that. So we have the tools to live out our gentleness. If God would only give us a heart of gentleness. My point is, is gentleness. All of that is to say gentleness is good for you. That's the first point. But you must be convinced of this truth in your heart this evening. Let it take hold of you. Let it drive you to seek it before God. Which leads me to the second thing quickly. We must do, and you are familiar with this already, we must pray for it, isn't it? We must be convinced it's good for us and we must pray for it. I won't get tired of saying it. You can do nothing apart with, you can do nothing without Christ. Christ himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need him. You are not going to be gentle simply by thinking about it. You're going to be gentle by begging God for it. Praying specifically for it. Dare I say, fasting for it. And pray specifically to grow in those specific situations. Regularly review where you are prone to not being gentle. What sort of situation do you find yourself not being gentle? Is it the checkout at Lido? It's very long there, isn't it? And you just like, become just, uh, what's going on? You get there and you're just like, uh, why are you always, you guys, what's, what's going on? Why are things not stocked up? Is that why you're struggling? Uh, I struggle, yeah? <laughs> right? Well, ask God to help you pray when you are in that never-ending queue. Start praying. Are you, do you lack gentleness when you're on a Zoom call with a colleague at work you have never met? Is that when you are prone to be, to lack gentleness? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? How we can be gentle in person, but so rude via our emails or WhatsApp. You know, I sometimes read a message on WhatsApp where I receive an email. Even from people in the church or from outside, I'm thinking, he's not like that. Or she's not like that. It, there's always this dislocation because we are communicating to one another sometimes. Not just in the life of the church, but outside. You know this from work. It's different when you talk to people face to face. And it seems we lack gentleness sometimes when we use technology. I'm not saying we should abandon it, but I'm saying pray perhaps if this is a big issue for you. Pray. Well, it should be a big issue. What I mean is pray if this is a weakness. Pray when you, how you use your WhatsApp. And also pray for gentleness in dealing with specific people you find challenging. There are people that test our gentleness. Pray, for the, pray about that specifically. As I said, true gentleness is, is from the heart. It's not selective. So let us pray uh, that we would be gentle regardless of the person in front of us. So pray to God to help you to be gentle towards that person you feel presses your buttons. Or is always prone to say things that annoy you. Now, of course, I hope that's not me, right? I hope I'm not the one who presses your buttons. But if I am, pray for me. And this is my point. Don't just pray for yourself to be gentle. Pray for the other person to also be, to treat you better. Does that make sense? Because that's important. So pray for the other person and pray for yourself. Thirdly, like all the other qualities in verse 12, um, keep reminding yourself of who you are in Christ. We, we keep saying that. Keep going back to verse 12, right? Remind yourself that you are chosen, beloved, and holy. Keep preaching these three truths to yourself because gentleness is death to self. 
And dying to self is painful, as we said this morning. We can only embrace death to self if we genuinely secure in God's love and his choosing of us in Jesus. So keep reminding yourself of that. And finally, as I come to an end, you need to actively, as I said this morning, meditate on the person of Christ. I really think this is what's missing from many of our lives, our Christian life. Oh, beloved, we just don't think much of Christ. That's the problem of our hearts. We just don't think much of Christ. We have had knowledge. We've got a lot of theology. I grant you that. The Reformed people, they can say tulip backwards and explain just how it links in. You know, we normally explain it starting from total depravity. They can work it out for you from perseverance of the saints back to election. We are good at that. Those, what a wonderful heritage to be a Reformed believer and all these standing on Puritan history and Reformation and all that. But what's missing, I am convinced, from Reformed, today's Reformed theology, which the Puritan had, is Christ. The love of Christ. Meditating on the person of Christ. It goes back, you see, to those Gospels. Preaching them. You know, Jesse Rob preached through all the four Gospels and he wrote volumes on that. Nowadays, the preaching of the Gospels are missing in the life of the church. That's why we're going through Luke again. Because yes, Christ is in all of the scripture, but I think as we read the Gospels, as we study the Gospels, He shines ever brighter. And I think the Lord has given us those biographies, four of them, because He wants us to, read, to, to, to keep going back to see His beauty in them. So make it your aim, beloved. If you're going to grow in these virtues, make it your aim to know what the Gospels do, you see, is that they present the divinity of Christ, of course, which shines powerfully, but most importantly, I think they present the perfect humanity of Christ. What a perfect human being is meant to be like. Christ is our second Adam, and we see him shine brightly. He has put on our flesh for our benefit, and the Gospels are saying to us, be like Jesus. Be gentle like him. You know, the more you meditate on Christ, the more you grow to be like him. And the more, oh, so many things you need to see and think of Christ more. So, of course, meditate on Christ in, the, in all of the Bible. That's important. But keep Christ central. And I would encourage you, perhaps, to really go back to the gospel and read them afresh and study the gentleness of Jesus, perhaps, in the coming week in the gospel of Luke. Because we're going through Luke. We'll start going through Luke after we finish Colossians. So anyway, to conclude, and thank you for listening patiently, just to conclude what we've looked at this evening. We have learned about gentleness, haven't we? What is gentleness? Gentleness, well, it's not being kind to yourself. It is not weakness or a star or some female trait. No, in the Bible, gentleness is an inner disposition. It comes from a new heart that is eager to treat other people with utmost and tender care of God. And if, how do we grow in gentleness? Well, do those four things I mentioned. Be convinced it's good for you. Right? Pray to God for it. Three, keep reminding yourself of your identity in Christ. And the fourth thing is keep meditating on the gentleness of Christ. Now, of course, there's a lot more we can say. But I think those four things, plus all the other four, five, four, three, two things you are learning from other virtues will give you a good picture on how to develop in these virtues. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he's done for us. And thank you for Christ putting on our flesh, living the life we couldn't live, and dying the death we deserve. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity in these churches to walk gently, as it were, through these passages. And for us to think about areas of the Christian life that we, um, we don't think about often. And we just pray, Lord, especially today, please grow us in meekness and grow us in gentleness. And I pray especially for those in this church um, that are leading. Pray for the elders in the church and I pray for the, 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 the deacon and I pray for those that are doing the ladies' work, the men's work, and, and those that are leading in different ways, teaching. Oh, Father, just pray that you would grow them in these two areas, in meekness and gentleness. And I pray for all of us, Lord, wherever you have placed us, those that have responsibility at work, those that employ people, those that are line managers, those that are looking after young people at school, teachers, Lord, so tested at school, teachers are, Lord. I just pray that you'd grow them in meekness and grow them in gentleness. Lord, just help all of us to become more like Jesus. And Lord, forgive us. Forgive me in the way I've led in this church where I've lacked meekness, I've lacked gentleness. Forgive us as a church where we haven't been gentle towards one another, Lord. Help us, Lord, to grow in meekness and gentleness. In Jesus' name, amen.